Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Moments before Russian President Vladimir Putin launched his attack on Ukraine, he shot a stern warning to the rest of the world. Any country that interfered, he said, would, quote, face consequences greater than any you have faced in history. He also bragged about Russia's nuclear arsenal and several days later put Russia's deterrent forces, including nuclear weapons, on high alert. So what are Russia's nuclear capabilities three decades after the Cold War? I put that question to Hans Christensen, director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists. The best estimate, I would say, is that they have just about 4,500 nuclear warheads in their military stockpile. They have some others that have been retired and awaited dismantlement, but those are the ones they could actually use. That's a big number. It sounds like a lot. What is the impact of that? What does that mean? Well, it's split between sort of uh, long-range strategic uh, forces. That's the focus of it that can be used in an exchange with the United States, long distance. But they also have a large inventory of short-range so-called tactical nuclear weapons that are intended for use sort of locally, more in, in regional scenarios. It's been a long time since the Cold War era. Do we know what kind of shape these weapons are in? Yeah, they're fully uh, operational or fully functioning. The strategic forces are most of them deployed on their launchers, but the tactical weapons, they're in central storage, or at least the warheads are in central storage. So if uh, Russia decided to use nuclear weapons in a scenario in Europe, it would first have to haul these warheads out and bring them to the launchers. But despite Russia's uh, threats, the intelligence community has not seen any changes in the way that the Russians operate their nuclear forces. So it's, 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 a, it's a verbal threat, but they don't see any movement on the ground that indicate he's actually making preparations for that. If Russia were to deploy nuclear weapons, you've talked about two different types. What type do you think they would be? Oh, of course, uh, they'll start small if it came to that. And then depending on where things going, that they could turn up the heat. And if it goes all the way, it would reach strategic force levels. And that would be the big one. In the past, this has been regulated through treaties. A number of Cold War-era treaties that regulated the use of nuclear weapons have fallen by the wayside in recent decades. What is left? And does the U.S. need to do more to reestablish those kinds of protocols? Uh, yes, absolutely. It is both in our interest and, as a matter of fact, also in the Russian interest to keep uh, lids on the uh, nuclear force structures of the world. Right now, in terms of those limits, there's only one left, which is the New START Treaty. It's over a decade old, and it's just been extended, but it will expire in 2026. After that, if it's not replaced, there will be no treaty limits on any nuclear forces. So it's very, very important that this war does not derail efforts to continue to control and limit uh, nuclear forces. You talk about the importance of, of not derailing those efforts, and there's a delicate balance here with diplomacy as as it concerns this Russian invasion into Ukraine. How much do you think that the decisions and statements that the U.S. is making are being dictated by concerns about Russia's nuclear capabilities? Uh, partly so. Uh, I think no doubt about it. I think it's a deliberate decision on the part of the Biden administration and also the Pentagon. They do not want to play along uh, with Putin's uh, nuclear saber rattling. And so their responses have actually been moderate and very 
responsible, I would say, the United States has even delayed a test launch of a long-range ballistic missile. So those are the right kinds of steps to take. Nobody doubts that U.S. forces are fully capable of responding to whatever scenario comes out. So they don't need to play that game. You mentioned earlier that reestablishing some protocols regulating nuclear weapons would be obviously in the interest of the U.S., but also in, in Russia's interest. Do you think Putin would even be amenable to to that kind of conversation at this point? Uh, I think before this conflict erupted, yes, they were interested and there were several rounds of talks going on between uh, Russia and the United States about sort of strategic security issues. But they're unlikely to be resumed until this war in Ukraine uh, settles. But I think, yes, I think both sides ironically have an interest in continuing those talks. That's Hans Christensen, director of the Nuclear Information Project at the Federation of American Scientists. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXLLearning.com. Spend time in any American city and you'll likely encounter someone with untreated psychosis. Lost Patients is a new podcast examining our maze-like system for treating severe mental illness, which loses patients to an endless loop between the streets, jail, and hospitals. Does it have to be this way? For the history, the reality, and hopefully some solutions, listen to Lost Patients from KUOW and the Seattle Times, part of the NPR Network.